Now, the media plays a role in pretty much every aspect of our lives. We, of course, have the mainstream media. You've got BBC, ITV, CNN, NBC, and any other three-letter acronym you can think of. We've also got media for niche areas, uh, such as hobbies like gaming or gardening. And there's even media for individual industries. But what about media for people who are not defined by an activity, but rather a state of being? But I really want to understand the context around your career path, because I see from your LinkedIn, because that's the depth I go into on these interviews, because I'm sad and have no life, um, <laughs> that you studied aerospace engineering. Yeah. Now, to my layman's perspective, they don't seem to have any relation. So what are yeah. the factors that made you say, I want to do media instead? Actually, it's probably simpler than it than it appears. You know, I got my degree in engineering, uh, had a great job in the, in R and D, research and development, and I could have done that until I retired. Um, I could have done that for forty years. But literally, what happened was I was working in a lab with these guys that were uh, much more advanced than I was. They all had their PhDs, and I just had a regular bachelor's degree. And I just thought, I'm this is boring. Like I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You got to be kidding me. But being in the low man on the totem pole, I ended up kind of interfacing and working with some of the salespeople in this company, helping them with their, you know, with their clients coming in and so forth. And I realized I enjoyed that. I enjoyed talking about technology, but um, uh, not necessarily working as much in the in the back of a lab, but actually talking to people about it. So um, I, I made that leap and I went into sales as an engineer. But then the internet came along and I started kind of playing around and realized that there was something to it and that I could create something and I had a choice. Do I create something just for, you know, this manufacturing world that I'm in and in, in, in engineering or do I do something completely different? And I decided to go totally different. And, uh, you know, being an out gay man at the time, I was in a relationship and I said, let's, let's, let's start trying to find a way to bring together some of the various gay resources that are out there on the internet. This is before Google and before Yahoo. So I, I went gay. But I uh, was able to build a business because I was comfortable with technology and I loved going out and talking to people about it. And that's the shortest, uh, quickest, that, like that's been my whole career ever since. Mm -hmm. um, paint a picture for me. What was the internet like back in 1995? I, yeah. I, I sort of became cognizant of the internet sort of like mid 2000s. So I know yeah. that looked very different. So just describe 1995 for me. Well, it's hard. It's it's hard to put in a picture so that people would understand. It was it was a ghost town, and so uh, it was it, like um, just to get on the internet was 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 tricky. Um, but I've, I I'm I just I decided to jump in with both feet. So I really dove in and researched this, figured out how to get online, and then you get a web browser, which you know and you're thinking to yourself, what is a web browser at the time? And then you finally get yourself on this internet and you start figuring out the structure of it, and there's just a few little resources here and there, there and it's mostly text. And so, and what I was finding was that there was, there were a variety of different gay, lesbian, uh, not as much transgender, but just gay, lesbian resources there, but they're very far flung and there was no way to really find them unless you knew what you're looking for. So that was my first thought was, what can I do to make it so that people can find these, which made it that we started more like a Yahoo, which was like a directory and then became more like, a, you know, ultimately what Google had, had, had gotten into. But at that time it was, it was years before those companies uh, uh, came about. So we were just sort of, you know, you're almost like bumping around in the dark, 
trying to figure out what might work, but we ended up creating kind of this website, this portal that made it so that people could find resources in, in, for our community. And it just grew from there. Oh, awesome. So how has kind of, what was, cause I've kind of got a vague idea, but I kind of want to just confirm from you. What was sort of like LGBTQ plus media? What was that landscape like when yeah. you first started? It was, almost, it was entirely all print. There really, um, there was a few like things like a radio show here and there, but primarily it was print and print was print really dominated, whether it was national print here in the US um, and a lot of regional in the same way you had in the UK where you had a, a variety of different region, regional publications and print kind of varied. You would either have like larger newspaper style and more hard hitting news, or you would have kind of those, those pub rags or gay rags where you kind of saw what was going on in the bars and the events and they were more fun and festive little things. So that was it. And um, it really took a while for that to kind of migrate online. So companies were, uh, new companies were starting to try to recreate some of what was existing in the print world into the online world. And then a lot of the print folks said, hey, I want to, um, you know, how dare they? I want to be there too. So you ended up with some of the, some of the print, but not all kind of catching up and making themselves really relevant online as well. And you can even fast forward to today. Some of them are still online in print online and very strong on social media. So some have really evolved over these like almost 30 years in a very good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's that evolution sort of look like kind of now? Because I almost can't imagine it. Like yeah. I, when, when I'm thinking of media, like I am connected on Twitter all the time. I could reach in theory anyone within seconds. It's part of why we have connected. So can you expand more on how, how it's all evolved? When we look at it, it seems like it's just always been this way, but it, it was a very slow progression. And so um, um, even, you know, we were doing a lot of uh, retailing online as well through our website that actually helped fund our growth. And that was before Amazon was doing anything more than just a few books. So so all the opportunities were, were coming along. But once we went from retailing into the world of banner ads and banner ads didn't kick in until like the early 2000s in a in a more business like way. And so once banner ad advertising became uh, more substantial and then email campaigns you ended up with more of a business model forming and so the the other media that were out there in print started to see hey there's i can i can make money out here in online as well so they started where the the, the easiest way to see it is they started where they would say i'll sell you a, a to a client i'll sell you a half page ad in print and then we'll give you the banner ads on our new website for free and that was the business model at the time that you'd see quite often and uh that that is turned upside down somewhere about you know, probably the early 2010s and so forth, where they started really the those those folks that were in print started to say, um, we'll sell you the banner ads based upon, you know, cost per thousand basis, but we'll sell you the banner ads and we'll throw in the print ad for free. So you ended up with a real reversal there where the online world started to really dominate when it came to what advertisers were looking for. And it's because of all the opportunities for reach and also targeting and being able to really make sure your message is getting more in, in front of the right person. So that evolution was was then and then of course now the targeting and all those opportunities through social media has taken it to a, a whole new level because mm -hmm. it seems like um and, for, and forgive me um if i if i got this kind of wrong um it seems like it was almost like the wild west like yeah. everyone was trying to figure it out as they were going along and now it is uh was is a little bit more sophisticated right now and and um I, I read actually one of the um, one one of the kits that you put out on on your website, and I was like, I have I have like forty percent, maybe thirty percent. I understand. 
yeah. yeah, but no, it, it, a lot of it has become more sophisticated. More in the more a lot of the things that were more traditional. Um, I would say the thing, the area that's evolving and changing the most is is what we all know, which is social media, and so it's a it's an it's an always changing landscape in terms of like what people see in their feed more than anything else, and uh, and not not just what they see, but also the type of content. So you know, it used to be more posts with photos and now it's a lot of video and of course now TikTok is is starting to really take hold but it's it's all in who writes the code for those algorithms that's the secret keyword the algorithm the the it's the wizard it's the wizard of oz brought 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 to life because there's somebody in the background who's the who's who's uh, you know running all this stuff but at the end of the day it's just programmers that are creating trying to figure out what do you want to see and and uh and so you as a yeah, as an individual or a business, when you're posting, you know, your, your, your intent or your goal is that you really want, you want to kind of go mini viral. You want people to be able to really see your post, share it, like it. And, and you want to, you want to kind of take off that day. And that's all based upon what the algorithm deems, uh, you know, what's relevant, and what's not. And so that's what we're always kind of trying to stay on top of. And, and for ourselves, for whether it's personal, for business, or even for our clients. So with what people want to see, is that kind of, how much of it is an art? How much of it is a science? Well, I think it's, um, that's the hardest part. I mean, and that's why I always say the easiest thing is that Facebook probably has it easiest because they only show you things from basically, it used to be just uh, people that were your, you know, friends and, and colleagues, the people you're following. That was almost 99% of what you would see. You, the only business things you would see were things that, uh, that were, um, you could, you could, you could, follow business pages you know they used to be called fan pages and they became business pages you could follow those but you weren't you weren't seeing their content in your feed unless they paid for it so everything was much more personal and um and uh and so it's a very simple thing the more people were commenting or liking or something a certain post it would just show up for your other uh, for the other folks that were following that same person it would just show up for them uh, uh, more often so it was simple but other pro other uh, social media uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are the two specific examples. They they don't do it just that way. They actually show you things from people you're not connected to. So what's really important is like, let's just say LinkedIn, it's like Facebook. So it's very business oriented and you're really seeing most of the things that people you're following and so forth. But you'll oftentimes see things from people you're not connected to, but everybody you are connected to seems to like that post. And so it's it's basically, it's crowdsourcing. It's a, that's yeah. the simplest word. And so it's crowdsourcing what is the most popular, and it's also a popularity contest, but it's done in such a way that most of us can can uh, achieve some popularity somewhere along the way based upon, you know, those key things of being authentic and creating something people want to uh, read or, or engage with. And so LinkedIn's really good at that, where they'll actually show you things from folks that you're not connected to, that you could follow them. So you can really expand your network and you can get your your story out there to people that don't know you. But Twitter does that as well. So when you uh, when you think about the complexity, like to write code that says, you know, number one for Facebook, it's easy to show this the most popular stuff to people that you're following. But to show show you things from people you're not following is a whole different level of trying to figure out or anticipate in code what that person would want to see. And it it floors me. Like a lot of times, Twitter gets it wrong, and they'll show me things. Yeah. I'm like, what were you thinking? But more and more often, they're getting it right. And um, and getting it right means that they're going to have more people spend time on it. Uh, for us, it's become our number one place that we post and we get the most engagement with and so forth because it's got the most most opportunity. A lot of people don't see that um, because they're looking because they like Instagram. It's it's friendly. It's nice. And they're comfortable with Facebook. 
but it's the other two. It's LinkedIn and Twitter that actually do most of the heavy lifting and have more power to them. You know, that's, that's, that's really interesting because that sort of converts with everything else that I've kind of heard. Converse, yeah. what a weird word for me to use. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do agree with you on the on the LinkedIn front. Um, there are times I've been going through the feed and I've looked at someone. I'm like, "Who are you?" Actually, no, that's quite interesting. Exactly. And, um, yeah, I know. At the time of recording of this, a few days ago, Elon Musk hinted that he might give out the source code. Um, he's it, it, that expression. That expression you just did <laughs> tells me he's not going to do it. Well, the code's always changing, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, um, I'm not a big fan of his uh, at all. Yeah. But I will. Uh, but I will say that. Um, I will say that. Um, as far as the code that they have kind of played around with, and they have done a lot of changes on the Twitter code to to, to decide what I'm going. You know, what we're all going to see on that feed. Um, I would say for for us because we have a number of different twitter profiles and for every one of the profiles what we're seeing is far higher quality than it was uh six months ago and that's yeah. and and it's also performing really well and and they've put in a, a counter so you can see how many impressions you and all you all the other posts get and that's been very helpful because it really shows you what is what is resonating with with folks and what is not it's not just based on likes you can actually really get out there with certain posts and you know, go from just a thousand people seeing or a thousand impressions to some posts getting, you know, up to 50,000 impressions. And that's ultimately what we're, you know, we know that we're not getting that on every one of our posts or we'd all be super famous, but we're getting that. Yeah. If you can get that once in a while for your business without paying ex extra for advertising, you're doing quite well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, advertising is obviously something you care um, a lot about. And I'm going to admit, like my only experience in advertising is making a listing on eBay. No. Um, so, Introduce me now to kind of your part of the work and, and walk me through the process of putting an advertisement campaign together. Well, I'll start with what we're talking about now, even though, you know, in some ways what we're doing is I'm starting in the middle. But what I will say is that a lot of people in today's world, especially right now, 2023, you're seeing a lot of people that will be on Instagram with their own personal or business uh, feed and they will boost a post. And so people are advertising on Instagram more than anything else uh, because you can just pop your, on your phone. You could say, I want to spend 20 bucks. And what you're doing is typically in almost all cases, you're letting Instagram just kind of figure out who to show that ad to. And for the most part, it's going to try to show it more to the people that are following you, but it may actually reach out um, to people that you don't know. So you're not really sure, but they, they do a pretty good job of being able to just sort of get your thing out, your post out there very simply. Um, but that's how Facebook started with it. It was just it was called boosting a post. You post something on your business page on Facebook and it would, they would say you want to boost it. Boosting was, again, just like your personal feed. It was very linear. It means you're just you're just going to show it to more of the people that are following you already. Um, but that's good because, you know, you want that visibility. Yeah. But it's become a lot more advanced since then. And what it's real advertising is today is, is, is if you're on Facebook, you don't just boost your post, you create an audience. And for example, you can create an audience and say, I, uh, I wanna reach LGBT travelers who have shown an interest in traveling to Manchester. And so the fact that you can target uh, individuals at that micro level, as far as, uh, because Facebook knows everything about us, has made, made it so that that's become one of the dominant forms of advertising today. It's just creating a profile or an audience and then putting your social media posts out there and kind of matching those two up. And, um, but it's that same technology 
that I've just described is now used for banner ads on, you know, if you're, you're on your mobile phone or you're on a desktop computer, um, you're watching video and, you know, on Hulu or Netflix, all that technology is pretty much the same now. And it's uh, just targeting using all these different uh, data sets in order to just try to reach us. And so ultimately advertising is just understanding how all those different platforms work and putting a message out there and trying to reach the right people. See, that almost makes it sound like it's relatively simple. Um, but I, it's probably a bit of a folly for me to say that. Yeah, no, it's simple. It's simple in some ways. Uh, that's actually been part of our, uh, I, will, I will admit, for our own business. I, um, As things were evolving, let's just say targeting on Facebook, targeting on banner ads and all that, I thought that um, that would be a great business uh, for us to continue to grow and carve out more of a niche in, in the LGBT space. So since we were already working with clients trying to do those things, we thought, you know, let's just really get, get very good at what's called programmatic banner advertising, which is just technology used for the banner ads uh, and do the same on Facebook and videos and mobile apps. And let's get really good and, and you know, and, and continue to grow our business. What it turns out is that all the it, it's so easy that ad, all the ad agencies figured out how to do it in, in-house, uh, which makes sense. And they love being able to do it in-house. That way they don't have to work with third-party companies to try yeah. to make their, their things happen. But then their clients also figured out how to do it in-house. So the ad agencies are competing now with their own client base who also, many of them are just running, you know, whether it's their own Facebook ads, but also their own banner advertising. And they're doing a lot of their placements in, in-house because it's not that hard to do. So it's been it's been a work in progress for us to figure out where do we fit in the in the ecosystem here. I will say that we have figured it out um, over the last few years, but... Um, but it's been an evolution and it's always been, it's been changing and it's thrown us for a few loops based upon folks doing so much more than we thought they were going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think something that also we kind of almost uh, talked about there and we didn't quite get to it is yeah. content. Yeah. Um, is there any kind of like sort of magic content that does work or is it, is it all down to just being right place right time and pressing boost at the right time no i would say um i think the simplest way because content is now uh, from where we're sitting it's the it's the dominant form of advertising it's the mm -hmm. it's uh content is king content is first but it's really about understanding what i would say is where short form content and long form content comes into play so let's just say if, if you have an article the simplest thing you've got an article um your destination, you want people to know about the events going on this summer in your in your destination that you know LGBT events. Um, so you put the article together, but how do you get that? How do you get awareness of that article out on social media? Well, you got to put it into small sound bites. And so, part of the art, part of the science here, is taking those, taking that content, and then putting it into smaller sound bites, and then pushing it out through Twitter and Facebook and so forth, because you've got to get people's attention really quickly because they're in a, they're on their phone. Yeah. or they're on their desktop and they're just scrolling along. And then when they're scrolling, you've got to get their attention and make them go, oh, that looks interesting. Let me click for more. So it's that idea of getting people excited in the short form, click for more. And that can be longer YouTube video and so forth. But if you think you're going to put a 45 minute YouTube video in front of somebody and have them on a feed going, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and spend 45 minutes to watch this video, I would say you're probably mistaken. And, uh, and so you could see you can see when I say that a little flippantly, there's a lot of mistakes people are making because they make these assumptions, but they're not really thinking it through. They're just like, I made a video. I want everybody to watch my video. That's the way it is. Uh, you know, I know I'm sounding weird, but the world doesn't work that way. The world is, is they're in control. 
So you've got to work within their parameters and short form, just get there. If it's video, have a quick little 15, 30 second snippet that makes them go, oh, that looks interesting. Let me find out more. And that's, yeah. that's a big part of it. Yeah, I, now I think of it, that's how I found most of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, over here in the, in, in, in the UK, I think the most popular podcast, aside from Joe Rogan, is Diary of a CEO uh, mm. with Stephen Bartlett. And he does exactly what you described. Yeah. A whole bunch of short form content that goes on the feeds. I think he does like three a week uh, yeah. in terms of the, the, the um, social media content that he puts out. Um, and yeah, and then he goes for like one super dramatic video. For yeah. every episode, which I, which I absolutely, um, I absolutely love. So, I'm going to come back to travel in a minute because I know travel's a big thing for you, um, yeah. and I'll, I'll circle back to that. Um, but something that I'm sort of kind of really interested in as well is inclusivity and representation. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's gotten a lot better over the past twenty years. Uh, quite fortunately. So what steps could someone who is advertising take to make sure that something isn't just tokenistic and stereotypical and is actually useful and helpful for yeah. the LGBTQ plus community? Well, usually when it comes to uh, diversity and inclusion in uh, marketing and advertising, it's usually imagery, imagery or video. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say that the more... Um, our world, as we were just describing, a lot of the world is going more towards all this content that's out there on on social media. But a lot of that content, let's just say, for example, there's a there's an there's an event in Palm Springs, and there's all these people capturing photos and video. You, as a destination, you can work with those all those users, all those people, and you can leverage their content and you know share it and and repost it through your own network. Well, all of a sudden, you've eliminated a lot of those issues. You're not dealing with trying to find the right models that depict the right diver you know, diversity that you want to put forward about um, your business or your destination. It's already out there, and it's being done in what's the most authentic way possible. It's real people. So yeah. long story short, the more you're working with, and it doesn't have to just be user-generated content, but that's where influencers come in. And a lot, a lot of these folks are out there, and they are capturing things that are very much in the real world as opposed to kind of the scripted or, uh, you know, you're not casting for uh, for uh, imagery in, in a photography session session and so the more you lean towards that direction the more you become much more the way you know the way uh, the rest of society is which of course is especially here in the u.s extremely mixed and so um and so that's the easiest answer but you know if you are creating content specifically that is more scripted and you're going to create a higher end video um, I will say that most organizations that are targeting the LGBT community have kind of diversity and inclusion really embedded in their DNA. And so they know that it also comes down to uh, have, uh, showing diversity, whether it's uh, in the African-American community, uh, Asian and so forth. And I would say a lot of them have gotten it quite right in that in that respect. I think the reason why I asked that question is something that I discovered at university um, was the concept of the pink dollar. Yeah, uh, you've uh, sort of come across it and as soon as i learned what that concept was every pride month i saw everyone suddenly change to the pride flag and then we get to, i think it was uh, i can't remember what month it is uh that's how much attention i actually pay uh we get to the next month first of the next month and it's uh everyone's back to their normal logos 
so that's kind of where that question come from. But have you got any observations on that front? Yeah, and I do have opinions that don't that don't align as well with a lot of some of the things others will say. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I remember a day when, you know, we felt lucky or happy if we had a pride day and then all of a sudden yeah. it was like pride weekend. Um, not to say that, you know, we should be less deserving or I, I should be more appreciative of what we got. It's not that. It's just that um, the fact that, you know, a lot of the world has really dedicated an entire month to really celebrating the LGBT community. I think a, a big part of what we should look at is just if you're going to select an organization and kind of dive in and see what are they doing, the re- you know, year round, then it just becomes looking at, you know, what are they doing, whether internally through their own uh, you know, HR departments and, and, you know, how do they treat their people that they work, that work for them? And, um, and what are they doing to kind of keep themselves relevant and out there and visible um, uh, uh, year round without necessarily having to redecorate their entire front lobby, all, all pride. Um, So, but it's, I think it's amazing that banks and companies large and small will, will decorate their front windows and, you know, Macy's in New York will, will decorate and everything's pride. So the fact that they do that for an entire month is actually a real win for us. I think that I think we've done an amazing job because there is a lot of other communities out there that are, that are deserving of attention, um, that also get other months of, uh, whether it's a black history month, um, uh, there's, there's things for Hispanics for, for the Asian community and all sorts of other niches in between. And, um, so I think sometimes we have to take a step back and and remind ourselves, you know, we're sharing the world with all those folks and I think we should embrace them as well and be very happy that we are, uh, you know, we are really June is our month, but if we want to really get into it, just make sure that we're seeing that dedication year round and, and just know what we're looking for when we ask for it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because last season, um, a mutual connection of ours, Mr. Slade, um, we had um it kind of it kind of had fairly similar opinions yeah um yeah. in comparison um so i'll mention a little bit more about our mutual connection and then the show where i found mr slade then found you and uh, i'll yeah. mention that in a minute but i know you absolutely love traveling and we are two very different people when it comes to this um yeah. i am uh, business and personal are two separate things for you. You've got travel, business and personal all together. So we were talking about this before we hit record. Yeah. Um, do you want to take it away from here? Yeah, no, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm, I'm living the life that I had, like, I didn't know what it was going to look like many years ago, but it, it but it is what, I, um, my best life in that sense. Um, yeah. and what I mean by that is that I, I do love to travel. So does my husband. We love to go to different parts of the world and, and prior to the pandemic, um, See, I can work anywhere. Like as long as I have in today's world, as long as I have Wi-Fi, you know, between what I can do on my phone, my iPad, and my computer, it doesn't matter whether I'm on a beach in Mexico or you know in Paris, wherever it is. As long as I've got a nice place to work, I can get all my work done and continue on my merry way. But my husband couldn't do it because he was he lives in the corporate world, and so the opportunities yeah. to be away for that long went away, weren't there. But um, the pandemic changed that, and now so many companies are working remotely. Um, and make that a, now a permanent part of their uh, their their own DNA in their company. Um, so we're able to go away for two weeks, four weeks, whatever that is, and work anywhere in the world we want. And um, and so we're starting to do that more and more. And uh, like I just got back from Sydney, Australia, uh, went there for Mardi Gras and World Pride, and that was great. But also there was tons of people uh, that I that I work with that were also there. And so you know we, I ended up 
meeting them for coffee and networking and my personal life and my business life just blend into each other where, you know, and, uh, that's, that's my, that's the, that's the style that I guess I've decided I want to do until I retire. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm just crunchy and old. I'm like, <laughs> let's keep them separate. <laughs> <laughs> no, cause, oh. uh, but it's also cause I love what I do. And so, uh, I mean, this is like, uh, this is such a part of me. And so, when I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to separate that out. And so uh, to my chagrin, to my husband's chagrin, uh, when I'm with some of these folks, sometimes I talk a little more work than he would like. So I have to remind myself that <laughs> there are other people here. Maybe I should try to not talk so much work. Okay. Okay. In terms of talking about work. Yeah. Okay. We're the same. Um, <laughs> John, my other half would, uh, would, would totally agree. And you mentioned, because I'm, self-employed i do my own stuff i've got my own business outside of the podcast john is in the corporate world doing insurance and i've kind of noticed that when he works from home it does make that kind of because self-employment and running your own ship can be quite a lonely endeavor sometimes i have noticed that it it makes it a little bit more bearable and I also have someone to vent to who's yeah, in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> nope, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about now kind of the sort of thing that brought us together. Um, yeah. your, um, your show, I Love Gay Today. Yeah. Uh, this is actually why I reached out to you. Because um, uh, I Love Gay Today ended up on my feed. And then uh, I also found Mr. Slade at the same time. And like myself uh you've got like a massive variety of guests just recently in the past uh past few weeks you've had news personality ricky cornish uh racing driver and team owner brandon edkins and a filmmaker abigail child to name but free yeah so what spawned i love gay today yeah the pandemic um I, uh, and that is, that'll always be one of the, probably the biggest thing when I have looked back on the history of when the pandemic kicked in, you know, destinations and tourism clients, they were a big part of our business. And uh, all that just went from, you know, go, you know I want to say zero, 60 to zero. That's a, that's more of an American term, but, uh, you know, or zero to 60. It's a, everything was running full speed and then it stopped and yeah. um, everything stopped really quick. And so, um, and so basically, you know, we were okay. Like uh, we had a few clients here and there that were still continuing on outside of destinations but we were bored and i said you know i've always wanted to kind of create something like sort of like that um, some sort of a video show and so i started experimenting and long story short i ended up you should see the first few episodes they were uh they were no green screen and uh and just multiple cameras and it was uh I, I made it work but it was it was horrible in comparison to what we finally evolved into but um yeah over over a short period of time I started kind of interviewing folks um, that were also that also like had nothing to do with, at the moment and people that I knew you know in business and so forth and we we're just kind of having conversations about how they're doing during the pandemic and what are they doing to kind of uh, adjust and keep busy and so that became kind of a story unto itself but so I started getting more and more people that wanted to be on this this show and then the, I started to figure out how to edit the show better and and create a higher quality production and it just sort of grew very organically and um, so now, I mean, I, we literally have done like, I think over 450 interviews already over the last yeah. three years, because now it's a thing. We get publicists calling us saying, I want my client on the show. Um, but I have a lot of folks, my favorite ones are the ones that I actually 
uh, meet and reach out to through yeah. my connections, primarily Twitter and LinkedIn, those two, because we're already aligned in some ways when it just comes to kind of this messaging and getting the word out. And uh, and uh, I end up uh, having these folks on, then we post the show on, on Twitter, LinkedIn, as well as Facebook and others. And some of them just really get out there. And, uh, and, it, and what I'm trying to do is really allow it so that the folks that we're interviewing have a chance to kind of shine. And we keep it short within about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think also it, it's just good conversation, isn't it? Yeah. And people yeah, love a good conversation. Well, they get, it gives them an opportunity to meet someone new through my eyes. And, um, and like I said, I try to minimize my, my interactions and just kind of, kind of sh shepherd the conversation along for the other person. And, uh, and so it allows people that are following us on all of our social media networks to just kind of get to meet someone. And maybe some of the folks, they kind of go, eh, you know, that person's just okay. But others, they've, you know, they've, they've, they've uh, made their own personal connections with these folks. And so, and, you know, that's the whole thing is that we're all connected in some way. And I think social media reminds us of that all the time. And so when we post these, we connect all the, we post and use the little at symbol and make sure everybody's connected properly and people take it from there. And it's, that alone has worked out very, very nicely. Very few symbols on the keyboard have had such a cultural <laughs> significance. Um, so I'm also interested to kind of compare notes because yeah. we're, we're both doing interviews with slightly different formats, but still um, part of the sort of like same space. How do you sort of decide which guests to invite? What does your process look like? Yeah, if it's um, there's multiple inputs, let's just say of of who gets it. Sometimes they're just people that are good at being noisy and saying, "Hey, look, look at me, look at me." Uh, uh, <laughs> I really, really want to be on, and usually I'll probably say yes and, and get the. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, the process, though, and and the variety. I'll backtrack a step. The variety of different types of guests we have is based upon the fact that the whole I Love Gay thing before we did I Love Gay today is this video show that you had found. Um, had been existing for a few years already on Twitter as this network of different profiles. So we'll have like, I love gay music. I love gay movies. And um, let's also regionally, I love gay LA. I love gay New York. So we have all these profiles, but they speak specifically only to their niche. And so they only yeah. follow and engage and post only for New York or movies or theater, whatever it may be. Um, so what I will end up getting is that through like, let's just say, I love gay theater, I will be interacting in general with someone who's got maybe something really great going on and they're posting a lot and they're get, getting good mileage for their posts and we're already engaged with each other. So it's very easy to just say, Hey, I would love to, to you know, talk, have you tell your story on our show. Well, they probably already know about the show now at this point. And, um, and uh, the fact that we're aligned because we're doing very, we're playing the same sandbox and we're doing a lot yeah. of the same things on social media means that it's that they see the win right away. And it's a win for us as well because their net their folks are going to see our show and then you know some of them may start following us and paying attention to us as well so it becomes this real win-win when you're finding folks um uh for us again primarily through twitter and so but since we have such a wide variety of different niches that we're that we're meeting these people through so we end up kind of in some ways creating the show just for that one twitter profile um yeah. but since we're sharing it on all the rest of our social media i only put a few on linkedin only the ones on linkedin that are more business oriented and those are more the ones you would see um but when I put those on there, um, then people are kind of introduced to a wider variety of folks that they may have never even thought of or contemplated because they weren't really paying attention to that niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I just realized I do something. I do something kind of similar um, as well because, like, I've I've got the little circles that I quite like. 
Mm. Uh, then I'll go around and I will reach out to people who are just, as the name, as the name of the podcast suggests, are interesting people. Yeah, um, yeah. or at least interesting to me. And then in terms of content as well, I, I kind of do the same. I save LinkedIn for the business stuff. Yeah. So if there's yeah. anything that's remotely business, this one's going to go up on LinkedIn. Um, if anything remotely business, it goes there. And then I've noticed TikTok and Twitter and Instagram tends to yeah. be everything else. But it's also good to, uh, we're now, if we're going to, if somebody is strong on Instagram um, and or TikTok, um, we'll re-edit the video because normally the videos come out this way especially yeah. for because put it on youtube youtube's a great place just to, to host the video and then we'll share it on all the linkedin and all that it, it looks good this way but if you want to excel on instagram and, and also facebook reels and tiktok you got to make it this way so yeah. we'll, we'll re-edit now so i will tell anybody that's looking at this it's worth the time to re-edit one as a vertical um because and then post it and we'll post it as a reel uh, we'll do shorter clips of that sometimes but um you get you know, the exposure on those because especially Instagram and Facebook are trying hard to compete with TikTok. So they're really pushing uh, reels. And so you'll just end up with a lot more exposure than you would have gotten if you had just kept the video as just a regular um, uh, horizontal video in any of those platforms. Yeah, just to think, Facebook used to be the market leader and now they're just copying yeah. TikTok. Uh <laughs> Hashtag sad. Yeah, that's uh, very sad. Back to I Love Gay Today. Um prepping for your interviews um what does that look like are you in depth and looking at every single thing they've done do you just kind of follow the vibes are you somewhere in the middle what 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 would your prep look like well um the most important thing is knowing that the the interviews are going to be 10 to 15 minutes max and really i don't like to go over 15 minutes um but it's not the only reason is because i believe that um a lot it, we're living in a world of more uh, shorter attention spans but that's not necessarily a bad thing you know a lot of younger people they'll they're it's not that they're just consuming content in shorter form but you can get a wide variety of different inputs and viewpoints and all sorts of things when you're when you're looking at the world that way um so i try to create these to kind of fit in into that so that knowing that if i was focusing on a 30-minute interview i don't think people would really see there could be real gems in the middle of that interview that people may never ever see so the yeah. shorter the more opportunity there is for people to see those gems. So what that means is that now um, the interview itself, it's not necessarily going to be superficial and lighthearted, but what it will is what we'll be doing is focusing a little more narrowly on, on like a specific activity or something somebody is doing at that time. So what we try to, a lot of times if it's a, I see somebody with a, a movie, a movie release, a book release, whatever that is, that's easy. Cause then we can really talk about just that. But sometimes if somebody's out there in the community and folks don't know, we could talk about some of the highlights about what they're doing and still get that nicely within 10 minutes. But the research involved is just simply, um, I, and I actually do research um, before every single interview, but I just dive in and I primarily yeah. look at all their social media. I look at their social media and, and I want to know what are they talking about? What seems to be important to them? Not from on their website, because their website can be more static. What are they talking yeah. about? What seems to be exciting for them? Where are their passions? And who likes, who engages with them? And you start to kind of develop a picture of who that person is based on all their social, um, you know, Google search will kind of round out some of the edges with other articles that are interviews that have been written about those people. So I pull all that together and then I'll just take these little notes and I'll keep the little notes as a little window above the the Zoom window. And so then that way, I, in case I space out and, and forget something, I always have all my little notes so that I can always sort of look back up to that as the conversation's going and keep the conversation going. Um, um, yeah. 
which isn't too hard when again when it's short so nine times out of ten that works very smoothly the only time it doesn't work is if i'm sometimes you just have a harder time keeping a conversation going with someone um for a variety of reasons and if it's not the perfect fit then it's a little bit more of a struggle and so you're kind of looking at the notes and trying to keep things going and it doesn't happen very very often but when it does it's uh it's uh it's just something to take into account so the research has helped kind of smooth that out as well yeah and like i think also when i'm doing the research and going through going through the social media as well like i will come up with questions as i'm just looking at individual posts and think oh why are you doing that thing now or how did you come around to make this other thing and so on and so forth and to circle back to something that you mentioned um, there very briefly as well, we, you talked about little nuggets in these 45, yeah. 40, 45 minute interviews. Um, yeah. And goodness knows, I've done two hour interviews as well. And something that I'm starting to come around to the idea of, um, and it's taking a little bit of cognitive effort on my part, is giving those nuggets away as short little snippets. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then bringing people in and like you've said before that's kind of um that's proven really really effective so thank you for the free business advice no, I've been, um, uh, i'll get your invoice uh, in the morning i imagine <laughs> I mean, you know i will tell you i've been experimenting with nuggets even in my 10 to 15 minute ones i've been experimenting um the only feedback i'll give you it's a lot of work it's uh yeah it's it's a lot more work than it is just kind of the way i've been doing it and because when you do all those little nuggets you got to give it a little more thought to like pulling out, you know, one minute, two minute clips uh, and putting them out there. And then, and then all the repostings are just caught, you know, it's just uh, um, at the end of the day, the, the amount of work we put into the creating the show and posting it is, is, is minimal as far as people think it would be a lot more time than we have to put in, but it's still, it's worth it. The amount of time we put in, it's worth yeah, it yeah. and so forth. But yeah, if we start yeah. doing a lot of the nuggets, uh, it becomes a little more challenging to figure <laughs> out. By the time you're posting a nugget, you're already onto like another two or three shows, and you're like, "Oh, wait a second, which which show am I focusing on right now?" Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be better at it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying yeah, yeah. to do it as I edit, but um, yeah, there we go. Um, so uh, I have a little tradition how I like to end my uh, episodes, but before I do, yeah. uh, where can people find your company? Where can people find you online if they yeah. wanted to reach out to you? Yeah, through, um, I'd say the easiest thing on any social media profile, um, my personal is Matt Scal, M-A-T-T-S-K-A-L. So I use that universally on everything. Um, and uh, for the business, it's Pink Media LGBT. So the website is pinkmedia.lgbt, but all the social media is just those, that, that Pink Media LGBT. And so we've, we've unified all that. So it's real easy for folks to find us on any platform using one of those two. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I can vouch for the power of unifying your username. <laughs> Early days of this podcast, there was Tom underscore meets underscore. And then another one was Tom meets people. And then there was Tom meets interesting people. And it just got, oh my goodness. I was oh, like spending two minutes just reading out all my socials. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you don't want to do that. No, not, not at all. Like, like that's free advice for like everyone <laughs> listening. Uh, unify your socials. Um, so. I have a tradition where I end every episode with the questionnaire. And yeah. these questions come from the uh, Proust questionnaire, which were later adopted by Bernard Pivot, uh, and then later by James Lipton in Inside the Actors Studio. And now I present my good luck and don't fuck it up adaptation 
to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't even write that in. That was just straight off the top of my head. That was good. Uh, <laughs> okay, question one. What is your favorite word? Word? <laughs> Indeed. Because uh, uh, my husband used to say it a lot when I first met him, and I found it as a great way to remind him of uh, the early days of our relationship when I just look at him and say, indeed. Indeed, indeed. And Tilk as well from Stargate um, <laughs> said it all the time as well. I like, grew up on that stuff. Absolutely grew up on that stuff. What is your least favorite word? Um, I would say it's all those, um, it's all those uh, heavy tech PR words like, robust state of the art you know and, uh, paradigm shift every time all those things are oh i think my number one most uh, worst word is people, you i'll surprise you i'll surprise anybody watching this it's the word authentic because it's it's overused i think everybody says oh you have to show your authentic true self authentic this and that but in the world of marketing and advertising they're kind of alluding to the fact that so much of the of things have been kind of fake so long that they're trying to make it more real and they're saying that the more, you know, the more you, it, the advertising should be more authentic in that sense. And it's just, uh, it's constantly reminding us of a world that uh, uh, that maybe was more fake than what we'd like to admit. Yeah, yeah. Um, what engages you? Yeah, uh, just pe uh, primarily people and people that are, uh, people that are, that have new ideas, uh, new concepts, new, uh, and, and, and folks that, uh, that, uh, that are just open-minded open-minded to being able to listen and learn which is of course in today's world is harder and harder to find yeah yeah uh, totally what disengages you yeah um uh, anybody who's uh i have certain things like if you're if you're i don't like bullies i don't like people that are that are that, that are manipulative or too pushy and then also like try to uh you know that word gaslighting nowadays which also is probably a bit overused but all that kind of rolls into one type, you know, a type of person that uh, I often just simply disengage from really quickly. Yeah, fair enough. What sound or noise do you love? What sound, sound or noise? Yeah, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, oh. birds chirping in the morning. Yeah, um, unless you're an insomniac and they remind you you still haven't slept. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a morning person, so. I love it. I'm night owl, night owl. I'm doing this interview on two hours sleep, Ugh. and it is in UK time. It's close to eight o'clock in the evening. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. if you're watching this on YouTube, you will have seen me just chugging this cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, I almost want to just say it's anything that's kind of like a finger fingernails on the chalkboard. <laughs> That's the yeah. first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, that's just great. Ugh. Question seven is everyone's favorite, and mine too. What is your favorite curse word? Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't use it as much, but it's still my favorite. It's the UK. Bloody hell. I love the way that sounds. Yeah, yeah. It's so versatile. And, like, it can be so serious yeah. or, like, not. Like, yeah. it's beautiful thing about swear words they're really versatile <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt oh i actually i actually think i would have made a good lawyer if i'd started all the way at the beginning um 
against uh, what I've discovered about myself since then, as far as love of storytelling and, you know, and, and public speaking and all those. And now nowadays I'm like, you know, if I had gone down that path, I probably would have enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Oh. Anything, anything that was probably mundane. And uh, I mean, I got bored being in, working as an engineer in an R&D lab. So can you imagine if I was like a factory worker doing the same thing day in and day out? And yeah, yeah that would have driven me completely nuts. Yeah, no, totally, totally. The final question. If you could say only one statement to any one person, hmm. what would that statement be? And who would that person be? The who would be quite a number of people that I've been interacted with over the years that have asked for advice as far as what they should do for, you know, like, cause they see that I've created this, uh, made that leap from the business world into, or corporate world into my own entrepreneurial dreams. And I would just say, follow your heart. Cause they're always yeah. trying to figure out what, whether they should pursue something. And I, I often think that your gut feel and your heart tell you, give you the answer and you just have to listen to it. Yeah. Brilliant. I think that's a great note to end this uh, episode on. Um, Matt, remind us, where can I find you online? Yeah, pinkmedia.lgbt uh, or just pinkmedia.lgbt on social media. And don't forget to check out our show on um, all of the social medias as well. we got Twitter, at Tom Meets People, Instagram, same username, TikTok, same username, <laughs> uh, YouTube, though, deviates a little bit. Um, but we've got ourselves a handle. It's at Tom Meets Interesting People. And if you're listening to this in a regular uh, podcast player, um, absolutely adore good pods. Make sure you give us uh, a rating on that. Uh, we now have a Patreon uh, up and ready to go. Uh, and in that, uh, you get ad-free episodes. I will shout your name out in the episode as well. I, I won't do it at full volume, though. And starting this season as well, you will get the episodes early, which I think is a really cool little perk. Like before anyone else, you get to watch it. Like that is just so cool. Um, Matt, thank you so much for your time and uh, taking the time to speak with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Yay. People actually enjoy my company, which is, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, 